Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. We are back at it again, back at the boot camp. Bob, I hope you're ready for the next episode. And the, this is the episode where you get to wear the tiger pajama top. Yes, Jimbo, once again, for the third year in a row, I believe, I'm wearing the pajama top. Yeah, you know, it's it looks good on you. It makes your eyes pop. It... Well, I am a winter, so dark colors <laughs> look good on me. <laughs> you remember that? Do you ever... Did you ever do that? You're probably too young. No, I don't know what that is. When I was in, uh, I think I was in high school, maybe, maybe okay. college, people would uh, code you based on the skin tone. Yeah, you probably couldn't do that today. No, but I was I was called a winter. Which, a winter. A winter, which means that I look good in oranges and bright colors and okay. blacks and those sort of Pastels, meh. You yeah. know, if it's pink and I've got a tan going. I'm looking pretty good. Oh, you can rock the pink. I can rock the pink. I mean, it is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. You, you know, That's right, it is, isn't so it? So you should be wearing pink, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a hard-fought game. It was. Down to the wire. Down to the wire. Like it often is. Mm-hmm. I was in Arkansas with my family, watching it, yelling so loud. My parents literally, between me and my sister, they knew it was going to get pretty raucous. Yeah. And so they literally like text their neighborhood group and was like, Hey, just, we're just going to apologize in advance. <laughs> if it gets a little too crazy, if you start to get frustrated, just come over, make a plate of food, and then talk to us and let us know if we need to quiet down. Right. So you you guys beat us by a field goal, right? Last second, yeah. you ran the clock down. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, you hate to lose by a field goal. It's part of strategy. Yeah. We missed a field goal, I believe. Yep. And so that could have been a, a little bit of a difference maker had we made that field goal. But, yeah. you know, it was what it was. Yeah, look, neither LSU or Arkansas rebounded really well. <laughs> no, Arkansas <laughs> is circling the toilet bowl, Jimbo. We are really, really well. Doing LSU's bad. defense is circling the toilet bowl. I mean, their offense just put up an insane amount of points against right. Ole Miss. Yeah, did you guys beat Ole Miss? I'm, no, I'm, we no. lost oh. by six. Okay, and had a chance to catch it there in the last drive, and just didn't make it happen. But it was like an insanely high-scoring game. Yeah, I, I remember turning. You texted me, and I was preparing to preach here. We were in Tulsa. Yeah, it's like uh, well over yeah. a thousand yeah. offensive yards between both teams. Unreal. Hey, did you did you uh, you saw my text that the rent house in Nashville has an Alabama flag flying outside? Of yeah, it. yeah. It's been you know. I as a matter of fact, I told Josh Wiley he was probably going to get another shout out this week. One for that. You know, we talked about how to. D Crimson Tide, <laughs> yes. your house, and you know, twenty-four hour marathon of games of Alabama losing. It may, you know, there may not be twenty-four hours worth, but you find that, you know, and then Alabama fans, I think, hate Tennessee fans mm-hmm. and Auburn fans more than anyone. So mm-hmm. you just bring over a couple Auburn fans, Tennessee fans, let them cry War Eagle and play Rocky Top, <laughs> and it'll drive out all the Crimson Tide spirits. <laughs> yes. I told you the other reason you get a shout out is I'm I'm blaming LSU's loss against Ole Miss on him. Why? Because right towards the end of the game, LSU's driving and it looks like they could pull off this win. And Wally texted me, 
hey, could you tell your guys to hurry up because they're not putting the Alabama game on until this game is <laughs> oh, over. <gosh. laughs> and it, we were winning when he texted me that. All right. And then it all went downhill, and Ole Miss won. And so I told Wally it's his fault. That's that's why LSU lost. He broke the momentum. He put some juju on you, and we're going to hold that against him and all of the Crimson Tide. Absolutely. Well, all right, let's move into the topic. We could probably talk football for way longer than anybody <laughs> wants not to very listen well. to yeah. on this podcast. What do, you, what do you want to talk about today, Bob? Well, I was having a, a great conversation. We're here in Tulsa, and I was talking to Pastor Mike Lehu, who is the pastor of Church Inside Out, which is a replant partnership between his church, Church Inside Out, and Red Fork Baptist. And, okay. Uh, so we were just having a conversation, and one of the things he said to me, Jimbo, is, you know, it's been really challenging the, the past season in ministry. And I was like, you know what? Tell me about what's going on. And so he did. And I said, oh, yeah. Well, you know, you're heading into year three. Yep. And uh, my own pastor, shout out to him, Aaron Halstead of Mid-Cities Maplewood. Mm-hmm. He is in it fully squarely in year three yep. and uh, is experiencing the same thing. And so this is the faithful three-year mark that that guys encounter and they wonder if it's normal. So I thought it might be helpful for us just to remind the guys, and we've talked about this off and on in our podcasts from a number of different ways, but how do you make it to the three-year mark, but then also how do you make it beyond the three-year mark? Yeah, I mean, I, I was actually having a conversation about this recently with somebody and was talking about how, I mean, pretty consistently, year three, year maybe year four, maybe mid to late year two, somewhere in that part of the process, you're going to hit something. You know, my father-in-law has been pastoring for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And he said the pattern that he has recognized is every 18 months, you're going to hit a speed bump. Hmm. But every three years, so two of those 18 months, is when you're going to hit something really hard. Hmm. And so it's like 18 months is going to be a speed bump. The next 18 months mark is going to be pretty significant. And then you're going to hit another one. He's That's what he's experienced. And so there seems to be some consistent, observable patterns in how human beings operate in this. And so we've talked about that some. If you hearken back, we can link them in the show notes. We did an episode on the emotional cycle of change, and we did an episode on the vision adoption cycle. And I think in both of those, we talked a little bit about how some social sciences have pointed out just when you're leading change in general, when uh, uh, anything like that, there is a little bit of a cycle and a process to how people receive that, which may give some insight as to why year three becomes a little bit problematic. But first, you got to get to year three. I mean, they say a lot of times, right, that people don't even make it to oh, year three. Yeah. And when you, and when that happens, Jimbo, what happens is you reboot the whole process. Yeah. Right. So so let's let's just imagine this together. Typically, it takes nine months to a year to find a pastor. So you find a guy. Yeah. Um, he endeavors to lead the church, makes it to year two maybe year three, and then he, what does he do? He he, in challenge, uh, he encounters a challenging time, and then he leaves. Yeah. And then you have another year to recoup to find another pastor, and then that pastor maybe gives three years. And so you're right at a decade almost yeah. with trying to help a church move forward. And if you string a couple of those three-year cycles together, it's no wonder that a church has 20-plus years of decline. Yeah. David Jackson was doing a interim training with me in Dallas recently. I mean, he was doing all the interim training. I talked about some other things. 
David is in his 20th interim. Amazing. And he, he was talking about one church that the interim pastor that they had was the longest tenured pastor the church had ever had. <laughs> the interim pastor? The, not, it wasn't David. It was another interim pastor. The interim pastor is the longest tenured pastor in the history of the church. And how long had he been the interim pastor? Nine years. Oh, wow. I mean, I've heard of that happening. I don't know. There ought to be like a thing where you're like, you're no longer the interim. That's an ensconced interim, not an intentional interim. And I think that begins with an E, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> okay. I've also heard of the intrusive yes, interim. Yes, I've coined that phrase. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, pastoral tenure, this is one of the reasons we say, if you're going to go five years minimum, right? Yeah. You, you got to get them through whatever that year three, four hump is, stabilize on the other side of that. And then really what we've also observed is that's when you really start to be able to live out being people's pastor. I mean, yeah. we obviously know the day one, you're the pastor of the church, yeah. but you don't really fully get to live that out in the relationships and your leadership till about year five. And I think all of this stuff's connected. I think it's connected to like, you have to kind of show them you're going to stay through that year three trouble. Mm-hmm. You're going to see them through and lead them through that year three trouble and stabilize it on the other side. And and it's through that that you start to earn credibility and are able to really then lead as their pastor. Mm-hmm. So what I want to do is, is kind of walk through years one through five, just to kind of in a general way, maybe make a couple of points and yeah. and kick this back and forth. So let's talk about year one. Year one, here here's really what's going on. You're asking, who are they? And then you're finding out who you are too. So it's who are yeah. they and who am I? So, yeah. you know, what do you do? Pastoral visits are key in that mm-hmm. early season. You've got to go visit the people, visit yeah. them in their homes, at their places of work, spend time with them outside of church just to get to know them. And then what I would also say, Jimbo, is you are probably figuring out who you are as a pastor. Yeah. Now, this might not be your first rodeo, but if it's your second, third, or fourth, you're going to be a different pastor yeah. in a different context. And so you're going to take some lessons learned. You're going to have some some wounds that you're trying to get healed up. You're going to have some mistakes that you made that you don't want to repeat. And so a lot of that, you're trying to, to always practice, or should be, some self-awareness and mm-hmm. some growth, right? Yeah. What did I do in the last church that I don't want to repeat? What mm-hmm. did I do that was really good that I want to capitalize on? And so I think in year one, you're just doing a lot of that stuff. Discovery is what I would say. is Discovering who they are and discovering who you are. I think it's a good point. I, I like how you point out that even if this isn't your first rodeo, you are not the same pastor and this is not the same context. Sure. And so you can't run exactly the same playbook that you ran somewhere else. And you're, you're going to have to take some time to get to know. I mean, this is where we lean into the characteristic of organizational awareness. Mm-hmm. Where let's spend some time getting to know the organization, understand the organization, and the context that it's in. The pastoral visits, man, especially that first year, I, I don't know that you can underestimate or overestimate how important those are mm-hmm. to just face-to-face having some conversations, hearing people's stories, like Johnny Rumbo does in his interims. Mm-hmm. You know, what's your Jesus story? What's your church story? And, and just getting to know who the sheep are that God's called you to shepherd and the community God's called you to be a missionary in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's year two. I think this is going to be hard. That's the phrase I would use yeah. there. Yeah. Right. So here's what's going on in year two. Uh, you've probably experienced some conflict, maybe at the end of year two, maybe at the middle, maybe at the beginning. Yeah. And part of that conflict is 
year two, year two, you are now probably changing a couple of things. Yeah, uh, you're kind of leaning in. You you've kind of seen some things that maybe you know the the bulletin, maybe the order of service, maybe something about the kids ministry. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, you're going to start changing some things. And whenever you change something, change is always viewed as a loss to those yep. who experience the change. And everybody's okay with change until it has their personal address on it. Yep. Right. So they're going to resist change. And then sometimes in year two, when you are leading the church forward, Jimbo, I've seen this happen. You might have a big conflict or two with people who realize that they're losing their grip of power and influence Mm. on the congregation. Right. They might have played nice in year one, but when you have a conversation with them and they're trying to influence you and you say, Mm -hmm. "Mm, I don't think we're going to do that. Right. Yeah. Then hello, get ready. You're probably going to buckle up for some some probably some of your first significant conflict in in year two. Yeah. So this would correlate, I think, to the emotional cycle of change that we talked about. How you start out in uninformed mm-hmm. optimism, right? Yeah. So year one, you're in that uninformed like, all right, this is exciting. Uh, you're loving the people, loving the community. Year two is maybe the informed pessimism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, now that I've been here a little while. I realized just how hard this is actually going to be. I I quoted you at the interim training, and uh, one of my favorite quotes of yours is, most pastors, new pastors, think they're going to change the world, and then they change the bulletin and almost get fired. Yeah, yeah. Um, And And that's not original with me. I picked it up somewhere. I don't know, but... I mean, I've heard it from you, and I'm just cl- I'm claiming it as a pick for. Okay, well, we'll we'll make that so let it be said and done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so year two, and then we start to hit into year three. Yes, now I'm a Seinfeld fan, and uh, if you uh, watch Seinfeld, you know that there was a phrase that Jerry would use occasionally in a few episodes, and he would say in kind of a funny voice, I think I might have made a big mistake, right? <laughs> yeah. He would say it really fast. Yeah. I think that's that's yeah. year three, Jimbo, yeah. where you go, I think I made a big mistake, yeah. right? Where you realize this is going to be, oh, this is, I think I made a mistake, right? Yeah. And what was I thinking and all those sorts of things. So here, here's kind of some things that can happen in year three. You can experience a slide in attendance and a slide in finances and sometimes, Jimbo, it's not just an initial slide. Sometimes it's the double dip, right? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. the first loss in both attendance and finances, and then maybe it stables out, and then the second loss. The second loss. So that's what we call the double dip. And here's what I experienced in in that season of mystery: a lot of self doubt. Yep. I don't think I can do this, and then also a lot of spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to minimize. That, that that there's something about year three where spiritual warfare just really cranks up. And and then when you're around your pastor friends at the association or state convention or the national convention, mm. you don't want any of them asking you about how it's going at your church. No. No, as a matter of fact, you might make the mistake of isolating yeah. just because you don't want to answer that question. Right. Right? Like, well, how are things going at the church? <laughs> well, Bill, they're horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to cut my salary. We have the worship leader tried to lead a coup and I had to fire him. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and we're uh, dealing with a lot of spiritual warfare. So other than that, Pretty good. <laughs> yeah, not even sure I still want to do this. <laughs> yeah, I applied a quick trip yesterday, so, I mean, you know, hey, it might go well. <laughs> you know, it, it, it could almost be like a Saturday Night Live skit of, like, what if pastors answered that question honestly oh, gosh. at association and convention meetings, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, year three, and look, we've 
referenced this so uh, several times on this podcast, but man, it's consistent. Like just consistent as we travel across the country and we talk to people and hear from people over and over. There's just like I just got to where now when I start to talk to a guy and he's telling me about his woes, like one of my first questions is like, "Well, how long have you been there?" Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna make up an observational statistic. For, for me, in my experience, it's been like 90% of the time, it's year three. Mm-hmm. I mean, 90% of the time, when I ask them, it's, I'm in my third year. Like, so then I'm able to at least bring some comfort, like, hey, brother, I have some good news. This is not unique to you. Mm-hmm. This is year three. Mm-hmm. And they're always looking at me confused, and they're like, no, but this is a pretty unique scenario. You're right. Whatever scenario you have is, is unique. <laughs> yes. The timing of it is not unique. Yes. This is this is what happens. Mm-hmm. This is I mean, over and over and over. So if you're listening and you're year three and you're starting to feel it, like just know it's not necessarily that you screwed everything up. Mm-hmm. Like this is just part of the process. Mm-hmm. I love how you said that. That that is it's not you un- what you're experiencing is unique to you but the timing of it is not unique yeah it's and uh so d-men study al- alert okay uh, thesis alert if you are out there and you are enrolled at one of the many institutions that's offering a d-men in church revitalization yeah. can i just can we just ask you yeah as a boot camp listener why don't you study the phenomenon of year three yeah right We've we've got the outreach things and we've got the you know evangelism training yeah. and we've got all those other things we've got the Sunday school you know revitalization we need the year three survivability thesis yeah, the yeah we need PhD level research yeah, on that yeah so you guys get on that all yeah, right yeah somebody so, get on it get on it <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with school yeah, yeah. is and even listeners like we would love to hear like what have been your year three experiences yeah. and if it wasn't year three was it year four or were you just a better pastor than us? And <laughs> yeah, we'll give you the microphone. And you got to year seven and no issues whatsoever. Man, praise God. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's jump to year four. Year four, here's the phrase I used to describe it. Okay, let's make this work and let's get to work, right? Yeah. So here, here are some things that are key in year four. One is by this time, you probably have a plan yeah. for bringing renewal and health and vitality to the church. So get the plan and work the plan, right? I would also say this, love and laugh. Yeah. Like love these people, right? Yeah. Um, you probably have weathered a few departures, uh, some that you you know were, were hoping would leave and then some that you were hoping wouldn't leave. But by this time, even the people who were there that you had doubts about that have stayed there, yeah. love them, right? Yeah. Get to know them. And then here's what I would also say, laugh as often and as much as you can, Yeah. right? Eat together, have fellowships together, spend time together, go to ball games together, you know, do picnics together, whatever you can do just to spend time enjoying one another's company. Love and laugh. Here's another one that goes along with that cry and grieve, mm. right? Mm. Jimbo, I think sometimes we move past our grief too quickly. And yeah. when we move past our grief too quickly, we don't realize that life is filled with ups and downs and a yeah. lot of hurts. Yeah. And sometimes we just need to grieve. Right, we yeah. need to grieve that that we've lost friends, or that people have unfriended us from Facebook, or that this was not how we thought things were going to go, and it's a loss. And so, grieve that fully and faithfully. And then, what I would say is this: execute plans, but don't execute people. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, you know, I think on the grieve, I think sometimes we either swing to one extreme or the other and we either just move past grief and ignore it or we just sit on it for way too long Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so 
try to recognize, have some self-awareness of what extreme you might lean into on that and, and lean away from that extreme, whatever it is. Like if you, if you, here's what I tell you, if you're like me and you have a tendency to just ignore the grief and just keep running, what I have learned is it will hunt you down. Mm-hmm. And if, what, here's what I've learned about big emotions with especially with grief and things like that you either have to deal with them head on or they will pick the most inopportune time and place to take over Hmm. like if and i haven't just observed that in my life and others like if you decide i'm just gonna push this down i'm just gonna push this down like they're just gonna pick like the worst time (laughs) to just be like oh nope (laughs) you're dealing with me now (laughs) what like physically and emotionally or every, every way yeah, so like what I hear, so for me, what happens a lot of times, it will lead to a sinus infection. Okay. So legitimately, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm stressed and I just ignore my stress, I will end up with a pretty bad sinus infection. Mm-hmm. What I've seen with some other people is they will not process their stress or emotions at all. And then all of a sudden, they're in the middle of like something that should be good or just normal, and all, they just lose it. Like, they just, their emotions just all come out. Yeah. That stuff has to come out somehow. Yeah. And so you got to deal with it. The other thing I would say, I I love your list here, you know, love and laugh, have a plan, make it work, love the people that are there. I I think that's part of even how you get through year three. Mm -hmm. I think maybe sometimes a small contributor to the difficulty of year three is in your mind as a pastor, you kind of want to pastor a different group of people. Yeah, absolutely. And you're going, I really thought we'd have a different type of congregation by now mm-hmm. like thought we, we'd be cool and hip and trendy yeah we would be more like me they'd be <laughs> <laughs> no like you, you you start and so you gotta you gotta love the people god sent you yeah like or you think man i'd have all stars and i'm gonna have a residency and i'm gonna be training up and sending out church planters like crazy and mm-hmm. that may just not play out that way mm-hmm. and i think part of how you get through is you recognize well these are the people that god's called me to love and shepherd mm-hmm. and so this is who i'm going to love and shepherd mm-hmm. yeah let's go years five through seven i just want to combine these yeah. right because sometimes that's the years five through seven are pretty pretty similar here's what i want to say walk in the confidence of the lord that's a pretty yeah. profound statement and a simple statement but here's what you you likely have learned at this point god has his church in his care, yeah, and God also has you in his yeah. care. So what does this look like? I, I think what it looks like, Jimbo, is when you show up on Sunday and something's crazy has happened, a toilet's overflowing or the, the tech guy's not there on time or the worship leader's late or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever crisis you experience, yeah. it doesn't freak you out yeah, because you're just like, this is not that big a deal. Right. Mm -hmm. And what we don't realize is that it's not about the show of Sunday Mm -hmm. and the transitions. And if everything's like, you know, a 10 plus, it's about being the people of God together in that place and worshiping God and hearing the scriptures read and taught, praying together and having people respond to the work of the Lord as it happens in that Sunday gathering. Yeah, that's what it's about. Right. And so what I would simply say is years five, seven, and I love when I see guys do this, and I loved, I loved my years five through seven, where I could just walk in the confidence of the Lord, and I could show up on Sunday and walk among the people, listen to the people, not be freaked out about things, pastor that volunteer or that mm-hmm. leader 
who's freaking out a little bit about things and say, hey, we, we're going to be fine. Yep. Like, just relax. We're going to be fine. And then what I think, Jimbo, is that translates into your congregation because what it does is it builds culture. Mm-hmm. Right. And here's the picture I always, in my mind, I always think about Jesus in the boat when the storm was mm-hmm. raging. What did he do? Well, yeah. he's taking a nap. Right. Yeah. And then everybody's freaking out and they wake him up and they're like, don't you care, Lord, that we're going to die? And, you know, he's just, he's which angry. Pastor, which, Pastor, you know you've prayed a prayer like that. I know. <laughs> but Jesus, he's like, oh, man, you are, you have so little faith. Yeah. Right. And then he just speaks a word and the storm goes away. Right. Yeah. I really get the sense of sometimes in our churches that if we are walking in the confidence of the Lord, we're like Jesus among a, a, a group of people that are freaking out. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you think about it. You've got parents that are battling their two year old. Yep. You've got their you've got middle aged adults that are trying to figure out what they're doing with their job or their aging parents. Mm-hmm. You've got marriages that are just hanging on by a thread. And everybody comes to church and everybody is stressed out. Yeah. And as a pastor, when you're walking in the confidence of the Lord and, and you've made it into those years, you can simply just be a calm presence that exudes confidence in, in not in of yourself, but in, in the sovereignty and the faithfulness of God. Mm. And so what I would say is when you get past year four, if, if it bleeds into year three, man, just relax and be confident in the Lord in years five and seven. And here's what will happen. The culture in your church will notice and it will be wonderful and awesome. Yeah. And people will not want to miss yeah. because God is there and he's present. And it's not that he wasn't there before, but you might be in a position where you're able to point people to Jesus in the midst of crises and storms because you've endured him yourself. Yeah. I, you know, I got to preach this morning on Philippians 2, 12 through 18, where in verse 14, Paul says, do all things without grumbling and complaining or grumbling and disputing. And as I was studying to prepare for this sermon, what hit me is he's not talking actually about don't complain. Don't complain is a result of walking in peace and contentment mm-hmm. and depending on the faithfulness of the Lord. And fearing and trembling God appropriately and following him. And when you do that, you can have that kind of peace that can handle the storm, that can take a nap in the like that's what the reason jesus could take a nap in the boat is because he feared and trembled god the father Mm -hmm. not the storm Mm -hmm. and because the storm feared and trembled him Mm -hmm. and that's the god we serve and so we don't have to get overly stressed out about the circumstances and be a success in whatever definition you've come up with there Mm -hmm. we trust in the lord um, and lead the people well. I mean, I think I think it's a good word. I think, and just see that light at the end of the tunnel. With if you're in year three, and put your head down, do what you know you're called to do, and trust in the Lord. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.